Green. Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. (laughs) This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack. And join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good, good morning, Birds fans. And I mean that when I say that. It's a good, good morning because your Philadelphia Eagles are 3-0. and And we'll talk about how they got the 3-0, and what that 3-0 and means for the next two hours right here on Birds 365. As you can tell, that is not John McMullen in the other box across from me. That would be Mark Farzetta. Macman is uh, winging his way back from Tampa, Florida this morning. So Farzy in the house to talk about the 2-0 and birds. And Farzy, let's start here. Everybody loves this thing. Everybody loves opinion. Everybody loves a percentage and or a grade. I'm going to ask you to grade the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> two games from, from through, through three games from A plus to F. Their performance versus expectation versus what you thought they were going to do, what they actually did on the field. What kind of grade would you give the Philadelphia Eagles A plus to F? For the first three games of the season, I will give the Philadelphia Eagles a grade of B. B to B plus, but I'll give them a B. I'll start out with a B. Okay. Yeah. I was going to go B plus. So you and I are very close to the same page. That's fair. I think and, it's more than fair. And the B plus, the B for you, upgraded from last night? Did you have them a B prior to the beatdown of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? How much did they move the needle? Uh, last night's game, I had them at like a C plus, and now they've moved to a solid B. Because we haven't seen anything close to a solid four-quarter game. And we still haven't seen that yet, but I think last night – was the closest thing we have seen to that, especially from the defensive side of the football. They didn't lag. I expected the the the, uh, the, the Bucks to you know, work them well, work the way work the, work their way back into the game a little bit more, and they didn't. Defense was great after Jalen Hurts had I- interceptions last night. The defense came right back, whether it was the joint sack of. Fletcher Cox and uh, Jalen Carter, and then the fourth fumble, or then it was the safety after the second interception. The defense kept coming back. The offense for me is still a run dominant offense with the passing game lagging behind. Now, last night was better. The numbers aren't particularly great, a 71.6 passer rating for Jalen Hurts. But overall, uh, I thought it was a possession-to-possession 
type of consistency. He was really good in one possession, not so great in another. But I saw enough of it where I could say this was the best passing I have seen from Jalen Hurts. So we're still on the upswing when it comes to this offense reaching its full potential. Understand and like your read, um, but just let me add to that. And it's a problem because they run the football as effectively as they do. Not for me. I no. know it's all about the pass. And Jeff Laurie wants him. I did show it this week. You know who else isn't happy? The owner of the Eagles, because he loves the pass. You're telling me Jeff Laurie is cursing under his breath at a 3 0 football team? I don't think so. No, well, here's the thing. And I think I know what Mike's referring to. He's referring to that article from a couple of years ago where. Doug Peterson just got done running the football a lot in Green Bay on a Thursday night game, if I'm not mistaken. And they won. They beat the Packers. They beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in Green Bay in prime time. And the question afterwards from Jeffrey Lurie was, so how come you ran the ball so much? Why not pass? Yes, he does love to throw the football. But ultimately what it comes down to is in the fourth quarter of a close game against a good team, you're trailing. Are you running the football to come back and make that up? Or are you going to be throwing the football? You're, you're going to be throwing the football. I'm not anti-run. I love the fact that they've been dominant with the run, but I still would like to see Jalen Hurts play more consistently at that MVP level that I saw last year. That's true. It's a little bit of a drop-off from last year, and we found out during the game that Jalen Hurts was playing with flu-like symptoms. I don't know how much that did or didn't affect him, but that was a chapter report, and Jalen confirmed it after the game. Yeah. Did, did you hear him? Did you hear him after the game? Did yes. you listen to the press? He sounded like a kid that was like, Mom, I can't go to school today. Like he just did not. He, I was surprised that he sounded that bad after the game. I constantly sniffling, constantly a nasal voice. And then, you know, some things made sense when you saw him on the sideline. He didn't look like, like I, I know he didn't exactly have a number of things like do cartwheels over on the sideline, but. He didn't look like his normal self. I don't like reading into body language, but when I saw the report later about the, the sickness, I was like, right. this kind of makes sense. And uh, for a couple of reasons why, A.J. Brown got the ball plenty. That was the only bet that I made on the game last night was A.J. Brown catches was only five and a half. It was the biggest gift I've ever seen. I couldn't believe it. Because um, I thought that it would be close to the final number, 25-20, which was – Eagles to score 25 points, which they did. That's twice now. I've hit the Eagles number right on the nose. Uh, but that was a five-point spread, and I had them winning by five. And 25 and 20 is 45, which was the over-under number. So I said, well, I can't touch the game either way. So I played a prop with A.J. Brown. So A.J. was a happy guy because they threw it to him a ton last night. Quarterback <laughs> made sure he got his fair share of targets. And, oh, by the way, Jalen Hurts was not feeling well, and I'm sure A.J. Brown knew that. So there was no chance for a sideline blow-up, Mark. <laughs> I, I was waiting for Devontae Smith to become the squeaky wheel because, as we know, Jody, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Always does. And, and last night, A.J. Brown was getting that grease. You yeah, Look, I know they talked – I know you guys probably talked about this, but, like, the, 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 the conversation that was had in the locker room last week about the conversation that was had on the sideline two weeks ago, Finally getting that addressed. I don't believe you, A.J. Brown, that it wasn't about targets. I don't believe you for a second. And then to look at this game, it was absolutely about targets. About you, target, couldn't, yes. you couldn't have made it more obvious, whether it's just, yeah, looking at 14 targets and the nine catches, or it was that in the red zone, they were constantly going after A.J. Brown to try to get him a touchdown, including the one that he dropped. Oh, it was right in his hands, both hands. It was a high throw, but he had to make it high to at least get it to A.J. Brown. Jalen Hurts uh, had a guy right in front of him, but uh, he put his hands up, got his hands on the football, couldn't corral it. But 
there were multiple occasions there where they were really trying to force it in there to A.J. Brown. And uh, for the most part, A.J. got the job done. So thank mm-hmm. you, Mr. Brown. And uh, we're glad that uh, the teacher, I mean, the coach, didn't have to break up anything on the sideline <laughs> uh, between you two guys. And Farzee last night, uh, again, we're going to go through the stats. And some of the stats just jump off the page. Yeah, run dominated. But when you outgain a team by almost 300 yards, that's absurd. Uh, a lot of that credit goes to the defense as well. Part of those numbers came at the end. My favorite drive of the game was the last one. They get it back with nine minutes to go, go into their four-minute offense where you're trying to take time off the clock, and they double it and extend it past nine minutes to end the game inside the five. Couldn't score it if they wanted to again. They No, that's okay. We'll just get on the plane and go home. <laughs> the fact that they took the soul of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on that final drive as they were going out the door leaving Raymond J stadium might've been my favorite aspect of the entire game. When, when one of the things I, I know Chip Kelly is always, his name is mud, but one of the things I don't think he gets trashed enough for is the idea that time doesn't matter. Time is the greatest currency there is like time means everything. And yes, it means a lot in the game of football. If you could control the clock, especially in the fourth quarter, which he eventually did learn, but if you can control the clock in the fourth quarter, you control the game. If you are up and you can control and continue to get first downs and can run the football, consistently move the ball downfield, the game's over when you get to the fourth quarter. That's why I don't mind situations where you'll see 15 seconds left in the third quarter and they just take it to get it to the fourth. Because the minute you get it in there, that's where all bets are off. There's no other quarter where you can rally. Time is ticking away. And the other team, guess what, is not going to give you the football to try to capitalize on any opportunity and try to get any last-minute heroics. The fact that the Eagles – here's the best part about having that dominant run. And it's not just the idea of, oh, the passing game's lagging, so you just run the football. It's that if you're up a touchdown in the fourth quarter, the game's over. You just hold on to that football, and you could kill nine minutes? Oh, yeah. Okay. You got a game in hand pretty much already. If you're up two scores, forget it. It's a blowout at that point. So I love that aspect and that the Eagles can shift to that moment, can shift to that gear as easily as they've been able to do throughout the first three games of the season, really the last two weeks of the season specifically. Um, Yeah, just activate the run game and you got the game won. And the beauty of it, uh, the capper was the Buccaneers head coach said, yeah, we're not even going to use our timeouts. They, they basically already stuck their finger in our eye. We don't need to extend this anymore. We'll just let the clock run and we'll get the hell out of Dodge. Uh, that was a tremendous ending to the game, at least from my aspect. And a lot of, of course, was running the football. And this is one area where uh, my usual bud uh, partner, Johnny Mack, and I kind of diverge. He's around the Eagles all the time. I'm not. So he's got a specific insight to him that I don't have. And sometimes I I know it's a plus. And sometimes I think it's a deterrent because John has continually said that Kenny Gainwell should have started the year as the number one back. He was their number one back. He should absolutely be their number one back. And I think he gets that directly from the Eagles that he was being told and judging by what they're doing in practice and uh, he's their high leverage back down by the goal line or whatever. Okay, John, uh, uh, that's what you're saying. Sometimes John says what he feels and he combines that with what the Eagles are doing. Doesn't mean I always have to agree with the yeah. Eagles. And at the start of the season, Kenny Gainwell being the number one back over DeAndre Swift, 
I'm sorry I disagreed with. After game number one, I came on here and said, yeah, Kenny Gainwell was okay, but how do you only give DeAndre Swift one carry? Then in game two, because no Kenny Gainwell available, Swift goes for 175. Now he goes for 130 again last night. I would have determined who should be the number one back by their resume, their career, what they've done over their entire time in the National Football League. I, I won't go back to Georgia when he was a Heisman Trophy-like player and Kenny Gainwell was never that at Memphis. Now, we'll, we'll leave that out. But just while in the National Football League, DeAndre Swift's been a better back. He just has had bigger games. He has been a better player. And Kenny Gainwell was the number one back because he was here for a year. I know he had a big, and, and this annoys the snot out of me. Oh, he played so well in the playoffs. No, he played well in one game, the Giant game. He was great in the Giant game. What did he do special in the Super Bowl? Nothing. What did he do special against the 49ers? Nothing really. But people lump them all in because he had the unbelievable game against the Giants to open up the playoffs. Oh, he was great in the playoffs. <laughs> he was great in one of the three playoff games. Mm. I didn't understand that from the get-go. And please, and last night, 16 carries for Swift, 14 for Gainwell. It was pretty close to a 50-50 split. This should not be happening, Mark Farzetta. The Eagles have a number one back. The mm. Eagles have a Miles Sanders replacement, and his name is DeAndre Swift. The only thing you need to look at, Jody, is let's go to – I know you, we're going to go to the stats in a minute, but let's just go to this, all right? So one carry in week one. He entered week three as the third leading rusher in the NFL. Do you know that? He entered week three as the third lead. He had one carry in week one. When to week three is the third leading rusher. Coming out of week three, now heading into week four. Do you know where DeAndre Swift ranks in, in the, the NFL? National football in the national football. Ranks, Mark uh, okay, let's let's go through one and two. Number one is Christian McCaffrey leading the NFL in rushing. Number two is DeAndre Swift. He has the second leading rusher in the NFL. And in terms of yards per carry, he's at 6.8 yards per carry. Anyone that I think has 40 carries in the NFL as a minimum, he's the best. So I am with you. I, hey, look, I listened to John. I watched what the Eagles are doing in uh, in uh, training camp. And I put it together. I was like, they love Kenny Gainwell. For whatever reason, they really love them to Kenny Gainwell. And, yes, the playoffs last year, the game against the Giants has a lot to do with it. Also, that magic word, Jody, drafted, drafted here. That carries a little bit more weight than traded for for some dumb reason. And they, they just felt they, tra they traded for AJ Brown. They don't have a problem paying <laughs> him. Well, he's also let the best him, friend. Let him have the tantrum on the sideline. They've been giving him uh, 14, uh, 14 targets. Targets. Thank you for <laughs> filling in the word for me. So uh, don't give me the traded. It uh, doesn't carry the same gravity. Well, it doesn't the best friend. It's the best friend of the quarterback. That has something to do with it. But they do favor the traded, or excuse me, the, the drafted, and that is Kenny Gainwell. It didn't make sense to me, but that's the way the Eagles wanted to go about it. And yes, it's very simple now. What was so impressive to me last night, Jody, was DeAndre Swift playing both roles, really all three roles as a running back. You saw the uh, quickness to get to the line of scrimmage. You saw the smarts to hesitate, to wait for that split second, that one, that, that quick downbeat in order for a hole to open up, and then he'd hit it. And then you also saw him catch uh, out of the backfield a little bit. They tried to run a – look like they tried to run a wheel route on the first interception, and they weren't on the same page there, unfortunately. Um, 
But you saw all three phases right there from DeAndre Swift that just made him look like a very special running back. And the guy that, yes, without question, should be RB1. And what drove me crazy in this game, and it was early, so I, I had an opportunity to get over it, but what drove me crazy was they go for it on the fourth and two, fourth and one. They choose to go for it on their first possession. They get downfield. They get in the field goal range. They choose to go for it. I don't have a problem with the decision. That's what Nick Sirianni has done since he's been the Eagles head coach. I don't have a problem with the decision. The play call and the personnel were – whoever made that decision, that was garbage. That was straight-up trash. The fact that Swift wasn't in for that particular play in the first quarter – this isn't the fourth quarter, the third quarter – where you're seeing that long drive and you're seeing Jason Kelsey on the sidelines there where the cameras got him sucking wind because he was exhausted. That I get at the end of a game. In the first possession, DeAndre Swift gets a break on a fourth and one, fourth and two situation? I don't think so. And they go with Kenny Gainwell up the middle and essentially a halfback draw, and they don't come up with it. Shocking. That was terrible. That gave me concern about Brian Johnson and the play calling and personnel going forward. They ended up you know, riding the ship and having the – the consistently the third straight game where they've gone up in total yards per game. So that's great. But that was concerning to me. DeAndre Swift is the guy. DeAndre Swift, Swift beyond a shadow of a doubt, it's not even up for debate anymore. He is RB1. Running back by committee later in the season, if some unfortunate things happen, tired, fatigue, whatever, maybe. But it's undisputed who the RB1 right now is in Philadelphia, and it's DeAndre Swift. For Mark Farzetta, for Jordan McDonald, for probably a whole bunch of others, Still not sure about the Eagles coaching staff, and they will be the ones who will merit out the uh, touches next week when the commanders come to town in a revenge mode for the Eagles. Remember, they yep. lost to the commanders at home last year. The only mm -hmm. home game that Jalen Hurts lost all year long was to the Washington commanders. So they're better than Washington. They should beat Washington if they can rub Washington's nose in a little bit because the <laughs> commanders did that to them last week. All right, so be it. Um let me give you one other ranking, and we'll continue to break down the game with you, Farzad, in for uh, McMullen here today on uh, Birds 365. Like I said, people like lists. People like ratings. This is one that people are probably not going to love. They'll oh, be okay boy. with it in one aspect, not okay with it in another. Farzad, everybody does power ratings. If you're any kind of a sports media outlet, if you don't do a power rating, what the hell are you doing? You, everybody's got to have a rating and ranking of all the teams in the National Football League. ESPN, Yahoo, uh, Fox, NBC, uh, you name it, everybody's got a power rating. There is one that befuddles me week in and week out. And it continues to do so. And that's the ESPN Power Index. Oh, boy. Which is not the same as the ESPN Power Rating. Well, they get all their football experts to vote and then they uh, divide it by however many guys are in and they come up with their own power rating as per their quote unquote experts. The power index is done via a computer program and they plug in a bunch of data and they supposedly play 10,000 simulations to decide who would win if you had matchup. Mm. And the power index just boggled my mind last year, even though the Cowboys were behind the Eagles. They had the Cowboys always rated above the Eagles. When the Cowboys won their two games in the fashion they did to start the season, oh, you know Dallas is going to be number one. They were number 10. I was surprised to start the season that the Cowboys ranked lower than they usually would, but mm. they jumped them up rather quickly and got them to the number one spot by week number two. So after the egg that they laid in Arizona, I was very inquisitive as to where the Dallas Cowboys were going to be ranking this week. 
and they have fallen from the top perch, which is good to know. They should have. They are. They were number one. They've fallen all the way down to number five. And <laughs> I've seen them, at least in my estimation, fudge these numbers before, and it annoyed the snot out of me when they did it. Uh, but they 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 handled it the way that they did. All right. The new power ratings. As I said, Dallas Cowboys number five. Number one is who, Mark Farzetti? Take a quick guess for me. I'm going to assume it's the Miami Dolphins. That would be correct. Very good. Yeah. The Miami Dolphins. I mean, seven, the... 70 points. Good Lord. <laughs> that, 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 would, that would move you up to the top of the list. They yeah, by the up. way, how how great is – oh, that's a – they're so – they're great sportsmen. They're great sportsmen. They're great sports. They didn't kick the field goal, Jody. What a, what a pack of gentlemen. Hey, you know what I mean? They didn't rub it in their faces. I give them credit for that. <laughs> uh, 70 might, points. I might have kicked the – yeah, but the NFL record is 72. You kicked the field goal. You got the all-time record. Most points ever in a game in the NFL. 73 in a playoff game. Regular season, 72 was the number. Uh, and they, they, we don't need to be in the record book for that. Good on you. All right, number two would be if the Dolphins jump up from five to one, who is number two? I'm gonna I'm gonna go Eagles. I'm gonna go Eagles here, baby. Let me big bucks, big bucks, no whammies. Eagles number two. Good guess. Damn Incorrect. it. Damn it's it. the same team that was number two last week. They didn't move up, didn't move down. They left the Buffalo Bills, who have a loss mm. at number two, but a carry over from last year. What the hell? That's number three is the Philadelphia Eagles. That would be the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, they won on. the Super Bowl. They got Taylor Swift showing up in games. They crushed <laughs> the Chicago Bears this week. Mm. They were number three. They stay number three. And they have a loss. They have, they have lost, lost the game, which they means that's not mm, they interesting. Are, they are number three. So you got mm. Dolphins, Bills, Chiefs. Number four is. I'm just going to shake it off. Yes, go ahead. Number four. Is it the San Francisco 49ers? It would be the San Francisco 49ers. Come on! And as I told you, they fell from number one to number five. Yeah. Is the Dallas Cowboys, which means the Philadelphia Eagles are number six in the NFL Power Ratings Index on ESPN. I can even live with the Eagles not being... Uh, the Dolphins surely should be rated ahead of the Eagles. The 49ers Absolutely. should be rated ahead of the Eagles. If there's a carryover and they're projecting the Bills and the Chiefs, the Chiefs did beat them, so I can't complain about that. Bills, I might, well, how the Bills are ahead of the Chiefs, I don't know, but uh, so be it. The Dallas Cowboys are still ahead of the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Cowboys just took a beatdown. That's right, you lost by double digits. I'm going to call it a beatdown. Beating at the hands of the Arizona Cardinals, who were 0-2. And the Eagles went on the road and handled the Tampa Bay Buccaneers by two scores. How the hell are the Cowboys still rated ahead of the Eagles? AI. And AI is not Allen Iverson. AI is artificial intelligence. There's no intelligence involved in this. There's only stupidity involved in this. How can the Cowboys be rated out of the Eagles after this past weekend? Uh, and two road wins uh, for the Eagles, too, uh, by the way. Uh, here's the other interesting thing here of their three wins. Here's the other interesting Artificial intelligence. This is fraud intelligence. Okay, I'm not even going to upgrade it to, like, artificial. It is just straight-up fraud. It doesn't take into account a couple of things here. One, that the Cowboys choked away a game to a lesser team 
in the uh, in, in the Cardinals. And I, like, even to say they choked it away isn't even right because the Cardinals controlled that game from start to finish. No question about that. And then the other side of it is this: Does it take into account playoff experience? Does it take into account the what some might call the people that don't really do the numbers, just the overall it factor? I'm going to go on and answer that for you, Jody. It does not. So that is just ridiculous that the Eagles wouldn't even be in the top five, let alone not even be ranked ahead of the Cowboys at this point. Look, I understand, and we've made this point many, many times, and the Eagles, this isn't just a media thing for people that want to focus on media. The Eagles themselves look at their 3-0 and perfect record and say that's imperfect. Jalen Hurts last week talked about the standard and how, yes, the main thing is the main thing, winning. But ultimately, he's never going to be satisfied. Even if they play the quintessential perfect game, which is just never going to happen, you're always making that pursuit of perfection. But he said the standard is important. And the way we have played is not up to our standard. The record is great. It's, a, it's fine. You can't argue with it. But when it comes to the standard, that's what you can argue. And after game one, you heard from Jason Kelsey, we play any other team, we lose that game. You hear from A.J. Brown, the same thing. We play any other team than the Patriots. Maybe we don't win that game. You hear from AJ Brown that that week one was a uh, what is it, a teaching moment. That was a learning moment. They don't play up to their standard against the Vikings. They don't have, they have a very imperfect game, but still a win against the Vikings. This game against the Buccaneers, and I had said this, and we were asked by this uh, by Mike Misnelli in the post game show. Me, Seth Joyner, and Derek Gunn were asked the question about where our confidence level was in the Eagles, or excuse me, our level of concern after two games. And this was after the Vikings game. And mm -hmm. Seth was at a seven in terms of his concern, 10 being the most concerned. Gunner was at a six. I was at a three because I wasn't concerned. I wasn't going to go from this team can go to a Super Bowl and then they play two games and all of a sudden this team is, you know, really legit concerns. My deciding factor was going to be this Buccaneers game as far as whether or not I thought this was a real worry because you had 11 games between games. You had the first two games yeah. right out of the gate. You still won, but you had a new you had a new defensive coordinator. You have a new offensive coordinator and play caller, obviously. I needed to see if 11 games were enough to work out the kinks, so to speak. Jalen Hurts, although not 100% healthy, as we know, flu-like symptoms, whatever, not an excuse, but still we haven't seen him play at that MVP level yet. But the way the game plan was overall in this game, Gave me a lot more confidence. The way I look at Jalen Hurts and the fact that he was able to, you know, kind of rally this team and the run game was able to rally this team and how great that was and how great the defense was. I, I, my concern is knocked down to like a one. Nice. I don't really have concerns about this team going forward. And I know people, there's things you could definitely nitpick. And you're not, if you're an Eagles fan and you're going three and oh, but it's a perfect record with imperfect play, the Eagles are doing the same thing. And that's exactly what you want. That's ultimately, why I look at this team as a Super Bowl contender. I don't think they've played at that Super Bowl caliber yet, but they're 3-0 and and they haven't played their best game yet, Jody. And that's still very much, I think, far in front of them. And I like, look forward to seeing that continue to go up as the season goes on. Like the phrase that Jalen Hurts uses, keep the main thing the main thing, right. which is wins. And they <laughs> are perfect in that column. They are 3-0. and And yeah, I do I get worked up about this ESPN thing? Yeah, because I did last year. I, I tracked it last year. I couldn't understand it last year, and it's back, and it's confounding me again. And, yes, it should annoy every Eagle fan and Eagle player and Eagle executive that the Dallas Cowboys are rated it. I know that you can't you can't get them on the phone. Can't call the computer and go, what the are you talking about? <laughs> but yeah. it does annoy me greatly. That Do you hang up a picture? Do you hang up a picture of the computer on the on the of the dartboard uh, or the yeah, the, 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 the bulletin board? Do you have like Johnny Five? 
<laughs> up there, short circuit. Do you have yeah, that up there? Get, 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 out those, get out those darts, Howie. Uh, so <laughs> Eagles get the job done. We got plenty more to break down from last night's game. Um, having trouble running down my guy, BLG, Brandon Lee Gouton from Bleeding Green Nation, uh, did say he would join us here in the 820 spot. I haven't been able to get in contact with him yet. So when we do, we'll punch him up. When we come back, one of the things we unfortunately have to touch on, and I wish I had updated news for you, but we don't because the Eagles like to play their cards close to the best, like everybody else. I, I get on Sirianni's case all the time and, and give him a hard time about uh, the competitive advantage he gets by keeping information on everybody else in the National Football League. That, that last night, Cincinnati didn't know Joe Burrow was going to play till like four minutes before the game started. We're, we'll make that decision at some point. I was smart enough to bet the Bengals. I knew Burrow was playing all <laughs> along, stooges. Uh, but it, 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 yeah, I get it, Coach. You 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 think that you get this competitive advantage, so that's the way they do business uh, at, down at uh, the Eagles Center. So we're not going to get updated injury information right after the game. They're going to play that card close to the best. They want to come home. They want to do an MRI. I get all of that too. And a couple guys leave the field last night with injuries. Don't know to what extent, but uh, it may have ended up being a costly win. Not a season-costing game, but uh, at least for this upcoming week against Washington. Could be a uh, costly game for the Eagles. We'll come back and talk about it next. He's Mark Farzetta in for John McMullen today. I'm Jody McDonald. We appreciate you streaming in here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. 
Soganow helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC <laughs> Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles You got Mark Forzetta and Jody McDonald here with you on Birds 365. We are sticking around for another hour and 40 minutes. Uh, we hope to have BLG Brandon Lee Gowton at some point a little bit later. Our buddy uh, Tuck Brody's going to, uh, Hunter Brody's going to jump in with us from Broads Media. Farzee, you do the Farzee show. When you do so, are you connected uh, in the same StreamYard setup with the uh, commenters on the side of the screen oh absolutely and i am on my farzy show uh youtube channel and the jacob media youtube channel so i go back and forth and i read i have a whole chat check segment baby we just get the we get the i know i don't take calls or anything like that so that's my caller board essentially i uh i go to those guys and they're great because i got mcmullen to talk to we we don't go to the to the phones to, to the board as often as you do if you're doing a solo show but they're calling me on the carpet here, and they're just flat out wrong. They are. I know what you're talking about, Jody. Way it, off base. Way Jody off base, these people. looking at last week's power ratings. No, I'm not. I've got it right. For, and to ESPN's credit, even though I think the, the way that it actually plays out on a weekly basis makes the computer look real stupid, um, I, I they put it up immediately after the Monday night game is in, over. I doubt CBS has their power ratings up yet or ESPN's regular power ratings when they, oh, here's a novel idea. Let's talk to guys who played football, know football, announce football for us. There's a good idea for power ratings. So they do that too, but they need to have this computer-driven listing of where the National Football League teams rank. I have it in front of me. Miami Dolphins, 3-0. and Not last week. Last week, the... Maybe you didn't know. Last week, the Dolphins were 2-0. and They won 70 to... What did the other team get? 10? What was... I even forget what... 20, uh, I think. Was 20? Like, yeah, I think they got 20. Oh, my God. It was 16 to 16 at halftime, I believe. It was crazy. Uh, Miami Dolphins, 3-0. and Not 2-0, and 3-0. Last week, they were number five. They've moved up to number four. These are not last week's ratings. They're this week's ratings. They're today's ratings. They're up-to-the-minute ratings. And people are saying, what is Jody talking about? He must be reading the wrong ones. No, I'm reading exactly what I want to read, what I meant to read, because it's already updated. And they're at it again. They do it faster than anybody else. They do it wrong, but they do it quicker than anybody else because all they're doing is punching numbers into a machine and going with a printout. Yeah. And, and you did specify this is not the power rankings. These are the ratings. ratings. It's a little, a little different. A little power, different. The power index is power what we call it. And feel free to check it every single week and watch the Dallas Cowboys be overrated and the Philadelphia Eagles be underrated. <laughs> I'm just saying uh, it's something worth keeping an eye on. I, 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 I have one. I just have one rebuttal. You'll probably really like this because it's super intelligent. I spent a lot of time on it. Uh, I have one rebuttal to the machine that cranks out these awful ratings. Shut up, nerd. 
And that's the end of it. That's my only rebuttal to it. It's the dumbest thing. You take the Cowboys and put them ahead of the Eagles in this. You clearly don't know what the hell you're doing. So nerds, shut the hell up. Thank you very much, Jody. I'll give you another one. Here we go. Jody is wrong, as he was about us being able to run the football, but it's okay. We still love him. <laughs> when did I say the Eagles can't run the football? When? I'll give you See, Now they're going to make me throw my partner in the butts. Two weeks ago, uh, one of the two of the Mac and Mac guys said, I really don't like the Eagles running back room. And it was either a Mac or a Mac. Mm. And it wasn't me, so you can probably figure out who it was. But somehow, I said the Eagles can't run the football. I'm the guy who suggested to... <coughs> I'm getting worked up. <laughs> I, I apologize. It's uh, the one that did it. It was the guy that doesn't have Aloysius in his name. That's the guy that said it. Yeah. And uh, I kind of tooted my own horn last night on WIP. I don't do it all the time, but I do it once in a while. Why? Because it makes me feel good. Uh, <laughs> the draft, when Jameer Gibbs went to the Detroit Lions, an over-drafted uh, player at number 12 or 13, wherever it was, it was uh, first half of the first round. Nobody thought he was going that high. Um, not all that far after B. John Robinson got tabbed, they went and grabbed Jameer Gibbs. I tweeted out, you can go back and check my Twitter, still there. Note to Howie Roseman. I'd put a, in a call to the Detroit Lions, see if they're willing to trade a guy like DeAndre Swift. Because if they're drafting a running back in the top 15, they're not married to DeAndre Swift anymore. He fits the MO of the Philadelphia Eagles. Last year of a contract, very motivated. Don't have to give him a new deal to get him in here. Not like A.J. Brown when they traded for him. He'll come in and play for the one year to try and build up his own perfect fit for the Philadelphia Eagles. And guess what? Within 48 hours, they traded for DeAndre Swift. So, uh, but somehow I don't think the Eagles can run the football. They went out and got DeAndre Swift as I specific, specifically suggested they should before they ever got him. But I don't think the Eagles can run the football. They, this is why I don't read the comments. <laughs> did, did you hear Nick Sirianni after the game last night? He, he echoed your sentiments, Jody. He's well, they asked him a question about DeAndre Swift fitting the team. Like, what makes him do so well in this particular run scheme? And he just said explosive plays, explosiveness. That He's got the versatility, the explosiveness, the hands, everything. He went on a nice little uh, monologue about how great DeAndre Swift was and then talked about his ability to get to the line of scrimmage, his ability to have that knowledge around the line of scrimmage, whether it's hit the hole immediately, whether it's he's got to have wait for that downbeat for the blocks to open up. Just as you pointed out, everything DeAndre Swift can bring to the table, he has brought to the table here in Philadelphia. Which I didn't uh, – back to honesty, I didn't know he could be this good. I really didn't. I would love to – and I would – when I when I tweeted that, I might not have tweeted that I thought he could get a 175-yard game and a 130-yard game in his first three games with the Eagles. And as Mark Farzetta correctly pointed out in the first game, one carry, one. one. <laughs> it's, it's insane. He's number two in the NFL <laughs> in rushing, and he had one carry in the first game. And he was healthy. That was the Eagles' coach's choices, not Jordan McDonald's. Um, yeah, I didn't know he could be this good. I, yeah, he, and, Jody, here's the thing. This isn't like a um like a Travis Fulgham, okay? You know what I'm saying? This isn't like, oh wow, look at this, look at this guy could do all of a sudden. We didn't know he had this ability. This is a guy who's been in the league. You see what he's done, he's done it at a high level. Like the, the fact that he came here, I was like, Well, this is Kenny Gainwell, and you know Kenny Gainwell, obviously. You know what he can do. You mean to tell me you looked at DeAndre Swift and went. 
running back number two. Definitely running back number two. That's that's that, that, that to me is playing favorites more than it's playing the guy that can actually run the football for you. And I'm glad, not that I ever root for injury for anybody, but I'm just glad that he got an opportunity to put it on display. And the only guy he had to compete with at that point was uh, Rashad Penny, who um, does not appear to be very valuable to the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, but uh, DeAndre Swift is putting it all out there, and he is showing exactly – what he can do at the NFL level has done at the NFL level is now doing it behind this deep, this offensive line. This is unfair. I mean, we talk about the tush push. People want to ban the tush push. If you're a running back and can just get to the line of scrimmage quickly, Rashad Penny showed me in his brief amount of time. He can't do that. At least not yet. If you get to the line of scrimmage quickly, you can get a lot of yards behind this offensive line. And I, I really look forward to seeing what he does the rest of the season. I will amend I will spin a uh, prediction I made earlier this year. Um, I said that at some point, the Philadelphia Eagles this year will give a running back a day off, a game off. They will do what the NBA does, load management, that they will, a healthy guy will be a healthy scratch because they just want to protect them from injury. And I suggested that guy would probably be Rashad Penny because Penny is more infamous for being hurt than he is for playing. When he plays, plays great. But uh, it's kind of like Avante Maddox, not if he'll get hurt, but when he'll get hurt. So I figured they would do that with Rashad Penny. All right. So it's not going to be Rashad Penny because Rashad Penny can't even get on the field. He gets load management dressed by standing on the sidelines. He gets load management, doesn't get in. I'm starting to believe it could be DeAndre Swift. If they have this unbelievable trust in Kenny Gainwell, that he's their high leverage guy, and they give it to him down by the goal line. One play that Mark Farzetta famously hated on fourth down last night. We know how they uh, like to use Kenny Gainwell. Maybe that's where it comes in for DeAndre Swift, that a specific game this year, they say, he's really kind of important to us. Do we want to put him at risk? We can win this game with our other running backs. DeAndre, take the afternoon off. Go sit in a luxury box. All right, so this is this is like middle of the season. This isn't like the end of the year. The Eagles have things wrapped up and they give them a break. This is load management at some point in the midst of the season. Right. I would say two-thirds of the way through the season. I'd have to look up the exact game and the situation. The situation is probably going to have to fit. Um, they're going to have to have – a uh, game or two game lead in the division, be in good shape there. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking about week 17 is they play 18 weeks, so week 11, 10, 11, somewhere thereabouts, close to the middle of the season, but in the just past the second half of the season. They're in that tough run against those teams, probably against an AFC team rather than a, like he's not going to sit the San Francisco game. We know that. But the, the the Buffalo game or somewhere thereabouts, yeah, DeAndre Swift could get a week off for load management purposes. You buying any of it? Uh, Rashad Penny's got to show me something first. Uh, I, I, hey, I think Boston will be back. Boston Scott will be back. Oh, okay. there we go. Oh, they don't play the Giants till the last two, two of the last three <laughs> games of the season. Because that's certainly a potential load management game. Because Boston Scott should play the entire game against the Giants. See, the other thing is, I think in the NFL, their version of load management is 
like in during the week, hamstring injury, did not practice. Hamstring injury, did not practice. Hamstring injury, did not practice. Oh, he's playing Sunday, but did not practice That's throughout true. the week. Yeah. Um, but with but, the Eagles, with the Eagles, they don't even practice that much. So how much load management is it actually? If you, tell them, <laughs> yeah. well, you don't have to practice. <laughs> oh, okay, I'll, I'll be very productive with that 45 minutes yeah. I now have to my uh, self. The the CBA kind of has the built-in load management already. But let, so let me just say this real quick about Rashad Penny. Because like I I understand what you're saying as far as the uh, when he's healthy he plays well. Did he show you anything against the Vikings? Because he looked slow as molasses and just trying to get to the line of scrimmage to me. Did he show you anything in that game? No, but I'm not going to judge him off that. He... Oh, where's the fun in that? R- running backs have to have some kind of rhythm to them, and just throwing a guy in there for a play here and a play right. there is okay. Uh, I'll, I'll right. cut him. Some, I. I don't know what he's got left in the tank at all. One way or the other, like right. with preseason too. He had some nice runs in the preseason, but again, we don't judge Eagles in the preseason because all those blocks of granite up front are standing on the sidelines because they're not going to risk them. So Rashad Penny is running behind Suo Pettis. So how do I know how good Rashad Penny is? I really don't. I know how good DeAndre Swift is, and he was freaking great again last night. All right. Uh, I mentioned this uh, before we went to break. I hope this isn't a costly game for the Eagles. And we don't know this yet, so don't get panicked. Don't say, Jody Mack said, Jody Mack saying he doesn't know anything. Here's what he does know uh, about, I don't know about the, the future. Leonard Dickerson left the game with an injury and did not return. And he looked a little shook up on, on the field as they were taking him off. It wasn't like just get me to the side, let me, let me get a, a quick sit down and I'll get back into the game. No, he left the game and did not return. Justin Evans left early last night. And because of that, Edmonds and Brown had to hold down the uh, other safety spot. And they both did a pretty damn good job last night. Give give them both the thumbs up. But even Brown left with a neck thing uh-huh. last night. So you were getting down to the nitty and gritty of the safety spot. Good thing Reed Blankenship was back. Um yeah, they came out of the game a little banged up uh, last night, Mark Farzetta. We talk a lot about the fact that we have such a uh, less than strenuous preseason and they take a bow for it because they're one of the less injured teams in the National Football League. Um, and some injury issues coming out of game two. They got some injury issues coming out of game number three. A uh, little, little concern. Are you waiting with bated breath to hear from the coach? Give your coach speak about the injury of the players this afternoon. Well, I mean, Dick Sirianni's MO is, oh, yeah, oh, we don't talk about injury. We're going to get that to you. We're going to get that to you uh, later today. Okay. And then the injury report comes out, and then we see it and we go, oh, damn. Uh, it is concerning. Absolutely, it's concerning. Now that you're already thin at the safety position, it's a huge concern. And I, I like what I've seen from Sidney Brown. Like the, I, I love he was able to get a hand in just at the last second to break up a touchdown to uh, Mike Evans, who had trouble corralling that football there in the end zone. I looked like he just got his hand in there at the last yep. second to break that up. He actually ended up going down to play nickel uh, a couple of times in the game as well. So he showed his versatility. I think that's actually when he got the neck injury, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but they're already down. Mario Goodrich was supposed to be at least getting a run and a chance to be a savior at the nickel corner spot. They got to move James Bradbury into that. So, yeah, I am concerned about that because now you're affecting other positions, and all of a sudden Mario Goodrich 
isn't even active during last night's game. So now what? Now, now he can't even see the field. Yeah. Jack. Did you did you say anything on that? Did Sirianni address that at all? Well, I, I know it was at, Nick, uh, at some point this week. Uh, Thursday maybe. Uh, Sean Desai <coughs> will address the media where I think he'll get asked about it. Maybe Wednesday he'll get asked about it. But yeah, that was very confusing. That was like week one. Rashad Penny wasn't even active. And I was like, that's weird. And now Mario Goodrich, a guy that they talked about through the week and asked the coaching staff about asked Sean Desai about it throughout the week. It's like, oh yeah, we got a lot of confidence in all our guys. And it's like, okay, what about Mario Goodrich? And I didn't think he had a great game in particular against the Vikings. Um, some good place, some bad place, kind of up and down throughout it. But yeah, I was the, shocked. That's that one that Johnny and I disagreed with. I thought he played actually pretty poorly against the Vikings. Now, you got a grade on a curve because last year he got no snaps, none on defense, zero. I whine all the time about the fact that Nicobe uh, Dean only got 32. Goodrich got none. But then again, Nicobe Dean was a third-round draft pick. Goodrich was an undrafted free agent, so that's why it didn't dawn on me to go, hey, are they ever going to get Goodrich into a game? Uh, but when, when you need to throw him into the deep end of the pool, all of a sudden he's got no experience. I'll cut him some slack in that he's as wet behind the ears as he is, but you still grade him, and he graded out pretty poorly for me. I didn't think he looked good, and John continued to say, well, he got better as the game went on, and uh, Justin Jeff, nobody could cover Justin Jefferson. Well, Slay covered the hell out of Justin Jefferson last year. Uh, yeah, I, I was shocked that he was inactive, but I wasn't shocked that they made the decision that Bradbury is going to be their number one guy in the slot going forward. Uh, you weren't shocked by that? No. What? Because of the preseason? Because of the training camp? Giving them yeah, a look? Yeah, they, they, they did that for a reason. They, yeah, I mean, they, they don't trust Devontae. They get a look at yeah. it, and unless he looked like he was so misfit for it, that they they were going to have that as an option because they didn't trust any of their backup. If you look at it, um, their top three nose ta uh, what believed in preseason. Their top t three nickel corners, uh, Vontae Maddox, done, gone. Uh, Zach McPherson, done for the season. Uh, Mr. Goodrich, we don't think he's good enough to dress. Really? That tells you that they're not as high on Goodrich as maybe some other people are. And, and, and what about Keely Ringo uh, that I heard so many great things about? What about Eli Ricks in the preseason there? Right. They, and they, have, they had all those guys. Here's, here's the reason why I believed when people were speculating that Bradbury could be moved inside. You had these rookies, undrafted rookies, impressing you, but still undrafted rookies which got to do like manual labor when you're a uh, undrafted rookie during the practices and preseason, you got to do the manual labor. They didn't move him inside at all. That told you that they didn't believe that could happen. They wanted a guy who they actually believed, even though you may pay for, for a price at another position because of it, that you think he'll be good at doing that, covering the slot. That's why Bradbury got those extra snaps, the limited snaps that they have. They decided to cross train Bradbury, then cord cross-trading either a Ringo or a Rex. Yeah, uh, and and that is obviously uh, a bit of a concern there. I Look, I said before the game last night that this was a dice roll uh, for Sean Desai in terms of this can either really work or it could blow up in their face. It obviously didn't blow up in their face. They did well in the past game last year, or excuse me, last night. But one thing I will say, regardless of who they put in there consistently for the rest of the year, the, the, we talk about running backs a lot and running behind this offensive line is like, you know, wow, it's a lot of guys can have success behind this offensive line. Well, in the secondary, you also have to think of it like this. They are, they don't have to cover for that, that long. 
especially if you have a front four getting the push and interior defensive linemen that are getting the push. Like last night, for instance, we know Baker Mayfield went in that game. He hadn't turned the football over, hadn't thrown an interception. He's coming off a, a 114 passer rating in the previous games, playing some good football with that receiving core. Every single drop back last night. So whoever you have in the secondary, the quarterback's going to be focused on Jalen Carter, Fletcher Cox, uh, 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 Tuiapi Lopo last night. I can't say his name right. Uh, he goes out there last night. He has himself some plays. Um, Tui Pelota. Uh, goes out there and has himself a sack. And then you get a, a safety with uh, Nicholas Morrow. So they're being able to get after the quarterback rather well, and that certainly helps out the guys in the secondary, especially if those guys in the secondary are just learning the position or learning life at the NFL level. So that's one saving grace. It's not so much a confidence in Ringo or Ricks or Goodrich later on or, or Bradbury being moved to the slot or Josh Joe being on the outside. It's more so a confidence in the fact that you have a defensive line that's going to eat. And whoever gets put in that secondary, whether it also be the safety position, if guys continue to go out at that spot as well, your defensive line is a huge advantage over the vast majority of opponents you're going to be facing throughout your schedule this year. So that's one thing I will look at on the optimistic side of things is the fact that whoever you do have in your secondary – if you're a guy who's if Jody, if I put you in, if you're a prime college athlete just coming into the NFL, you want to play with this defensive line if you're in the secondary because they're going to get theirs, and that means you won't have to cover for very long, you know, uh, and be burnt maybe a throws over your head either. So that's one thing you got to keep in mind. Whoever goes into the secondary, the Eagles once again did pressure the quarterback while last night got two sacks uh, and had uh, Baker Mayfield flushed out of the pocket plenty. So. Uh, your analysis of the Eagles and the pressure they're getting up front is spot on. And they're doing so without getting a sniff from Hassan Reddick. Yeah. I, I don't believe, Oh, I don't believe anybody. I don't believe anybody that says his hand is not a factor. That is absolutely a factor. You better hope it is. Cause last <laughs> night, nary a pressure. Well, I don't know if you got a pressure or not, but no sacks, no tackles. Played 66% of the snap, didn't even get a combined tackle. He took a goose egg in the box score last night, and this guy was one of the best defensive players in the entire National Football League last year. So it's got to be the hand is bothering him. You get used to playing a very specific way. You can't do it because you got that club on your hand. But as good as the Eagles' pass rush has been, oh, that's an area where it can get better. At some point, we expect Hassan Reddick to go back to being Hassan Reddick because he has not been Hassan Reddick for the first three games of the year, Farsi. No, he he obviously has not. And I, I think, you know, obviously speed is a huge part of it, but not being able to use one of your hands. Some guys adapt to it really well. Uh, other guys don't. And I think when he is literally in a position where eighths of a second matter, it's going to take a little bit of extra time to try to get a guy out in front of you if you can't just beat him on a, a straight-up bull rush or a, a getting that edge on the outside and being able to get that angle in at the quarterback. He doesn't look like the same player at all this year. And, yes, I am going to not just chalk it up to a new defensive coordinator that might have a different role for him. The guy's playing one-handed right now, and he came back quickly from the thumb injury. So I'm going to I'm gonna give him a little bit of uh, leeway here considering I know the player he's been in the NFL over the last three years. He's been a pretty special player. He's playing with one hand. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt in that regard. And here's the other thing. No, he hasn't played well. But the Eagles as a team have not played that complete game yet. As we know, they haven't played their best football yet. And they still look pretty good. 
So Hassan Reddick not playing up to the standard that we have seen him play at, and the defense still getting the pressures and letting that those defensive tackles really go eat, that's what I am more reliant on than anything. So I think Hassan Reddick has some time to try to get that hand healthy and ready to go. And one other guy I want to give some credit to, and again, I'm just judging from afar. I'm not breaking down coaches' film and don't know the exact responsibilities. Uh, during the offseason, there was a lot of change on Eagles. Most of it on the defensive side. A lot of guys left, had to plug in, new two new safeties. Uh, changes were made there. Um, offense basically stayed intact, except for the right guard position. Mm-hmm. And uh, they decided to move Cam Jurgens out from behind. Center. We know he's the heir apparent to Jason Kelsey, but... We don't know if Jason Kelsey's ever going to retire. He may play another 20 years. So we like Jerkins. Let's see if we get him into the lineup. We've got an opening. Let's put him there. The undersized issue that he's a little undersized for a guard and is playing next to an undersized center and Jason Kelsey. Well, that might be an issue. Have you seen any issue on the Eagles up front in the middle between Kelsey and Jurgens, or have they just done a job of keeping everyone at bay again i don't see the game film i don't sit down with the uh the stout the head of stoutland university it seems to me like he's not only doing his job that he's doing it damn well as well and a cam jenkins at right guard is no issue whatsoever for the philadelphia eagles i i referred to it this morning as the you know moses through the red sea i know that the highlight reel is DeAndre Swift going up there and hurtling a defender and getting more yards. But the real highlight there for anyone that loves what goes on in the trenches, that was before DeAndre Swift even had the ball in his hands, there was a 10 foot gap in the line at the line of scrimmage with Jason Kelsey going one way and Cam Jurgens going the other. And it was just a red carpet rolled out through the middle of it. And DeAndre Swift went to the Oscars, man. He just went straight down that red carpet. Hurled the defender, got like eight more yards out of that. And I know that's what will be on re- on loop, but when it comes to what happened on that offensive line and what Cam Jurgens and Jason Kelsey did, it was nothing short of spectacular. And no, to answer your question point blank, no. There has been no missing of a beat. For all the the love and, you know, come get your flowers, Isaac Sayamalo, that um, guys like Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson were talking about, and rightfully so, they have not missed a beat on the offensive line when it comes to not having their standard right guard and Isaac Sayamalo, the guy that they had last year, and seeing a guy like uh, uh, Cam Jurgens just say, all right, I'm going to go play over here now, and Jason Kelsey continues to dominate with his heir apparent right there next to him. It's fantastic. And what, what I really found funny last night, and just about the dominance, it had nothing to do with the, 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 the tally that DeAndre Swift ran up there in the run game. But every time they had the tush push, and they ran it a couple of times last night, you would see Jordan Mailata more often than not on the bottom of that pile. And it would be him, Jason Kelsey. I don't even know how Jordan Mailata got over there, but he was over there. And he would just get up laughing, Jody. He would have literally like 15 guys on him, and he'd get up laughing because you just can't stop it. Jason Kelsey says you can't stop it when you know it's coming, and they still do it, and they still have success. This offensive line is toying with defensive lines at this point because they know they're that good. And they know they have a running back now also who, if they take a minute to to, to open up a running lane, they got a running back back there who's going to be patient enough for that to open up. It's a perfect storm right now 
and defenses are I mean, look, look, defense are trying to crack the code of Jalen Hurts. They've had some success doing it so far this year. It's going to be a long time before they crack the code yeah, of this offensive line. The touch push, no. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> oh, by the way, the Bucks did actually stop it once on yeah. third down, and then the Eagles go, "Oh yeah, we'll do it again," and they get the first down because they just yeah. pushed the line again. Uh, it has been a tremendously dominant play for the Eagles. Right, he's Farzetta in for McMullen today. I'm Jody McDonald. You're streaming in here on Birds 365, hour number one in the books, hour number two coming your way. If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Mac is the usual show. It's Mac and Mark today. Mark Farzetta in for John McMullen, who's uh, traveling back from Tampa after being in the house for the Eagles' 25-11 victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Jalen Hurts made some nice plays, made some bad plays, too. Um, Jalen hasn't clicked in on all cylinders. I thought his pass to Alameda Zacchaeus was a thing of beauty. 
worked his way through the pocket, stepped up to it, knew he's going to take a hit, got rid of the football. Good sight adjustment by Alameda and as the ball's traveling through the air. That was a really nice play. But he had a couple of uh, tough plays as well last night. And let me ask you about this, Mark, because I took a call on Birds, uh, Go Birds Radio. I filled in for the guys on Saturday afternoon. And I, I dismissed the caller, and maybe I shouldn't have. He said, and oh, by the way, first couple of games, Jalen Hurts not running like Jalen Hurts did last year. Running like a guy who's comfortable with his $250 million contract. Ooh. And I said, that's just not right. That's oh. not Jalen Hurts. What are, you, <laughs> what are you talking about? And I, uh, I, I I, tried to put the caller in his place. Not once, but twice last night. Jalen Hurts went to the slide before he really needed to. And I am cognizant of the fact that he did get a $250 million contract. And that you want him out there on the field. And you don't want him risking life and limb. But he went into the slide. He went into the slide like early. Yeah. Which did ring a bell for me because I'd taken that call over. I'd never even thought along those lines. But the caller said it. And I saw it. Any concern? No. Jason is going to be a soft runner going forward? No. And and to argue with the, the caller's theory... At the time, they made they stated the theory wrong, very wrong. Um, the runs don't look like they did because you're rarely seeing the RPOs that you saw with Shane Steichen as the play caller. And I don't know if that's a conscious effort of this. I don't. I hate to call it a new regime because the head coach is still here, but with Nick Sirianni and Brian Johnson, I don't know if that's something that Jalen Hurts felt more comfortable telling Brian Johnson because of their relationship. Hey, let's do less on the RPOs, and if we need to break glass later in the season in case of emergency break glass let's break glass then Seth Joyner had a theory last night that maybe they incorporate that a little bit more as the season goes on because it's not like that's a bad thing to use it's just that when you abuse it your quarterback ends up running a little too much but Jody as far as last night goes I don't ever doubt Jalen Hurts's tenacity work ethic his desire to win right. so because he's yeah. doing the tush push which he's getting pounded on yes 2,000 pounds of flesh <laughs> So how can he be a soft runner? But the caller said it, and I did notice it with my own two eyes last night, so I can't just dismiss it. I agree. I did on the phone on Saturday. At this point, yes. After watching last night's game, I don't remember the second one, but I definitely remember the first one where he he had a first down. And I was waiting for – I saw him go into the slide, and I was waiting for a safety to come running down into the shot, and it never happened. So I look forward to the All-22 when that comes out to see how that went down because I haven't seen it yet. But – he went into and and uh, and I think you know everyone knows this by this point. But yes, you're starting. The ball gets marked from where you start at the slide, right? So he at least cost himself at the very least four yards. It would have at least been a I think a second and one or a third and one at that point, as opposed to a third and five. So that didn't make a lot of sense to me. I thought he slid way too early. And if you just run out of bounds, you're at least getting a couple of more yards. So that's why right. I was waiting for the safety or corner or whoever to come in to take his head off, and no one ever came down the sideline there. Uh, so that, he, did, that did jump out to me. I thought that was weird. And he had one of those plays where he's running for the sideline and he extended the ball to get a first down later in the game. Mm -hmm. And he can do. He did it all last year, and he did it one time in last night's game. But he also 
cut a couple of runs. Just just something to note. I'm not questioning him. I'm not saying, oh, my God, our uh, quarterback is a no-touch zone now. No, I think well, he'll be fine. I, I will say has, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say he hasn't run the ball as effectively as he did last year. I think there's several different reasons for it, but you <sighs> can't say he's the same runner that he was uh, last year. So I'll, I'll put it like this. So the, you mentioned the touchdown to Zacchaeus. There was two plays to Zacchaeus that were big plays to Zacchaeus. One, Jalen Hurts scrambled to his left, reversed, threw downfield to Zacchaeus. He was right in, in between the coverage. It was a perfect throw. He yep. was able to – I think it was a 30 – I think that was 34 yards. Um, no, the touchdown was 34. The, the pass down the sideline was 24. 24. Thank you. Okay. So that was a, a throw that I think Jalen Hurts maybe last year even runs. Instead of keeping the eyes downfield, maybe you're right. Two years ago, he definitely runs that ball. Then the touchdown pass, that was a statue in the pocket. He held the ball from snap to throw, Jody, six seconds. Surveyed the field, saw what the defense finally gave him, and then he hits the key. As you can talk about the adjustment, it was great. And he hit him in stride for the touchdown. That's also, I think, a play definitely two years ago, maybe last year, Jalen Hurts is escaping the pocket, scrambling out, trying to get some yards that way. Maybe he's scrambling out, running the line of scrimmage to try to extend the play and then hitting somebody downfield. But he does not. Here's what he definitely doesn't do last year. Even last year in his MVP season, he doesn't stand in the pocket having that great poise, having his eyes downfield the entire time, feeling the pressure but not overreacting to it, and then making a great throw down the field. That's that those two throws to Zacchaeus for me, not just because they're big splash plays, but because how that how those yards and that score were obtained, that showed me so much more about what Jalen Hurts has in store for us for the rest of the season. Because those are things that you really didn't see a lot from last year. Maybe he's feeling that pressure a little bit. He tries to manipulate the pocket a little bit, tries to extend the play, extend the play a little bit different. But the fact that he stood there like a statue for six seconds and surveyed the field and made that throw, two things: one, the offensive line's great, as we already know. But I have not seen that type of throw from Jalen Hurts in his career, where he has just stood there, surveying the field, feeling the pressure, but not overreacting to it, and delivering the football for a score. And another thing for last night's game, if you're doing the check mark thing, check something off, check a box. Um, Dallas Goddard's yards per catch significantly up from the week before when he had six catches for 22 yards. That's less three, three yards a catch. Come on. You got to get that by falling down. You should get three yards a catch. Last night, he got uh, five catches, 41 yards. So he's back up over eight yards per catch. I needed to throw that in there because that's the only bet I've lost on Eagles. Uh, maybe all year was Dallas Goddard uh, yards in the game last week. Because you knew he was going to get the ball. They're going to force feed him the ball. They did. He got six catches. For 22 yards, not good. But Dallas got a little bit more downfield and actually made a couple moves. A uh, little run after catch for Dallas Goddard last night. He's another one of those guys. If you're looking at the Eagles individually and individually come together and become a group, but individually, they got a, a couple of guys that haven't done what we thought they would do in the first three games. So if you're an Eagle fan today and you're looking at three, you know, I think the best way to look at it is, yeah, and Jalen will be better. And Dallas Goddard will be better. And Hassan Reddick will be better. Yeah, they all will. Yeah, they're going to get better, which means if everybody else holds where they're at, they're only going to become that much a better football team over the course of the next several weeks. 
let, let me ask you this, Jody, because you have you've seen a, a couple more football games than I have in our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to Jalen Carter, look, I know you can look at a guy like Justin Jefferson and say, oh, wow, burst out of the scene as a rookie. I'm not talking about quarterbacks or like the skilled like the receivers, running backs, all that stuff. Um, a guy that has to play with with man strength, you know, guys in the in the trenches there. I can't remember a guy that from jump, from a rookie, looked like a man playing amongst boys, the way Jalen Carter looks like a man playing against boys. He is, he'll throw a guy out of his way. He'll bull rush a guy back into the quarterback. He'll finesse around a guy. I, I am amazed by what I have seen through the three games with Jalen Carter. And look, I, I, with every single rookie, no matter how great they've been, I always wait for that like rookie wall where they, you know, have played more games than they ever have at a certain point. And see how, see how they respond to that. But this guy just looks like he is poised and ready to go. And then on top of it, Jordan Davis, I think has taken a huge leap as well this year, but just to focus on Jalen Carter, I have you seen like guys, like who are the names that jump out to you when you look at guys that play in those, big powerful roles of defensive or even offensive linemen that you just go damn this guy is ready to go because Jalen Carter seems to be in a class amongst the you know a, a, a very elite to start out a career after three games you're right <laughs> I I, I want to say come on why is he pumped the pump the brakes but after three, three games, games this is incredible he has been so dominant in those three games it's scary And the marriage between he and the Philadelphia Eagles is such a good fit on so many different levels. Number one, you got a guy like Fletcher Cox who can be a mentor to him and you can share time with, you don't have to throw him to the deep end of pool and ask him to play 80% of snaps. You can bring him along slowly. Oh, by the way, they keep increasing that slowly a little bit more each and every week for the first three weeks. Um, he gets to play with his boys. You've got a whole bunch of Georgia guys already here. You're bringing a whole bunch with him this year. So he's very comfortable with that. Um, the fact that he gets to go up against, I, I think we underemphasize this in town. Somebody always harps on this with me, and I end up shaking my head and going, yeah. For the limited practice that the Eagles have, he goes up against the best offensive line in football every single time. So he's well-schooled before he ever gets out there on a Sunday. Oh, that's right. The Eagles don't play on Sundays. They play on Thursdays and Mondays. Yeah, Sunday, 1 o'clock this week, everybody. Football when it was meant to be played against the Washington Commanders this week. So that has helped move his process along that much quicker. And again, with practice, when when he started to do slip slide down the draft board, and people were projecting him as the potential number one overall pick. No, not really. Because everybody knew the quarterbacks were going to go early. Right, top he three, top four, whatever. The highest rated player in the draft, above and beyond the quarterbacks, the quarterbacks were going because they were quarterbacks. And where he's going to fall on the board, the Eagles get a little lucky, but also a little aggressive, traded up for 10 to 9 just in case. Probably didn't even need to do that. I don't think Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears wouldn't know a football player if it hit him in the head. So them not knowing that they should take Jalen Carter should surprise no one. Um, they they get the guy who's, if you're judging by the first three games in his, his career, the best player in the draft at number nine. That's a hell of a steal. Yeah, he's done everything. And the other thing that they said about we all knew about uh, the speeding and the reckless driving and the lawsuit against him, 
knew about the charges, charges he's already paid his price for. Uh, the lawsuit uh, civilly could continue to go on. But there were some rumors that he wasn't the hardest practice guy down yeah. in Georgia, that the coaching staff would get frustrated from time to time because he didn't practice. Well, that again, perfect fit for the Philadelphia Eagles because they don't practice real hard either. <laughs> so why should you, why should he worry about it coming in here? Perfect fit for the Philadelphia in almost every facet in every way. He's uh, a perfect fit for the Philadelphia. Uh, <laughs> I can I can I can picture the I want to hear the conversation between him and Nick Sirianni. Oh, you don't like the practice either? Neither do we. Come on, bro. Come on up. You're in. That, that's probably how it happened. You'll fit in just fine around here. Uh, but it, but in all seriousness. I know, yes, through three games, but Jody, he jumps off the jumps off the field, he jumps off the screen, he jumps yep. off the film. Like I, I know it's not fair to just I know some people some people are jumping right to comparisons of you know Jerome Brown and, and all that stuff. And it's like, all right, I don't I don't want to get too crazy. Seth went there, and guess what? He's not wrong. He's not wrong. I like I didn't get to experience I was very I was young when Jerome Brown was like in his heyday. So like I gotta go with Seth there, and it's like blasphemy if I say that. Um, so I, that's why I ask people that obviously have watched the entire career, Jerome Brown, and uh, are now watching Jalen Carter right now. And the comparisons are out there with people that really knew Jerome Brown well and and knew his game well. And I I look at him and I'm like, wow, Fletcher Cox when he came into the league didn't even have this kind of immediate impact. Like, nope. it, it is it's like the best way to describe it. It's like it's that man strength, man. It's that. That dad strength. If you ever wrestled your dad as a kid, it's like, damn, you know what I mean? Like just getting thrown around. If you have a much older brother, it's like that. That's what he brings to the table as a rookie in the NFL. And and I saw the shot of him on the sideline after he forced the fumble. And he's walking down the sideline and he's just you could read his lips a little bit. He's like, like, let's bleep and go type of thing. Like, that's what I do. Let's bleep and go. He is just – he is going to be so much fun. To, not just fun in a dominant sense, but I think the personality goes along with it too. And everything that he told the Eagles he was going to do on that phone call he made to Howie Roseman right, right, right before they made the draft pick is like, look, I'm going to work my ass off. I want to be in the NFL. I want to play really hard, and I want to be great. I don't want to be great for you. That apparently like apparently flipped the switch with Howie Roseman, like we're definitely going to take this guy. Hey, man, he has sold himself well on that call, and he has sold himself extremely well through – his first three games in the NFL. I, I can't wait to see what he does the rest of it, not just the season, but obviously his career. And only Jordan Davis knows for sure, but I think he's motivated to snot out Jordan Davis too. Oh, yeah. He's playing much better than he did last year. Certainly. Uh, because his, his boy is his younger boy standing right next to him is grabbing more attention than he did. Uh Oh, I best better pick up my game too. He but ripped he a man's face off, Jody. He ripped a man's face off during the. He ran into a clothesline. It was awesome. This defensive line eats, my friend. Those big dogs are hunting. <laughs> he is Mark Farzette. I'm Jody McDonald. We are Birds 365 today. Uh, we see in our green room, it's our boy, Hunter Broads, going to join us next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. 
At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soganow helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. Big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Fred Street 65 rolling along on a day after win. Tuesday, a Monday night uh, victory down in Tampa against the Bucks. 25-11 the final score. Farge and I have given you a whole bunch of opinions on it. Let's get a third party in here to do just that. From Broads Media, Hunter Brody, one of our favorite guests when he joins us. You got a man bun going today? You just got the straight hat? I missed the <laughs> man did. bun. Or did you get a haircut? No, stop it. It's in the back. I'm hiding it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> What's up, Broads? What's up, boys? Boys, I'm stoked, man. This is incredible. You won't hear me bitching and complaining. I don't know if Jody or Farty. I don't know if you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Wait till I ask you about Cal Peterson. That bum. Five. Oh, we're going Flyers. Yeah, we're talking all fly. No, I'm kidding. Of course, (laughs) we're going Flyers preseason hockey. There, Jody. See what you do when you bring me on. It's dangerous. And well, all right, fine. Since Farzy went there, I'll I'll ask a follow-up question. Oh God, was Joshua Harris there? Oh, God, that's a great question. I do not know. <laughs> they, the, the Devils beat the Flyers last night, 6 nothing, right? I read that. Yeah. I sure as hell didn't see any of that. But I read it somewhere that they, they got beat 6 nothing by the Was Joshua Harris in the house for last night's game? 
I don't know. He was either that or preparing for a Commanders game. I don't really know. Yeah. Definitely not anything Sixers related. So Bro, Broads thinks he's a hockey guy, but he can't even tell us if Joshua Harris was at the game oh, last God. night when the Devils beat the Flyers. <laughs> so let's get back to football, Brody. You're pumped up, not because of the Flyers, because, yeah, they lost 6 nothing. The Eagles 25-11 to win. What impressed you most about the victory? Their offensive line is the most dominant thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Both lines, honestly. There's no one that's going to stop this. The only thing that stops this is the sod father in Arizona. Other than that, every team has to pray because these trenches are just unbeatable. They're unbeatable. We we have like two versions of Aaron Donald in, in Jordan Davis. Yeah, I'm saying even Jordan Davis because I didn't think he'd be able to get to the quarterback. And at this point, he's already kind of threw that into his game too. Thought he was just mm-hmm. a run stopper, but no, no. So between him and Jalen Carter and even Fletch looks like he's 21 years old. This team in the trenches is too dominant. So they're just unstoppable in the trenches. And that's how you win in this league. Jody and Broads, I know we all played sports. Jody, or, uh, Broads, you played at a pretty damn high level. When it comes to the coach coming in the locker room or the dressing room, whatever, and he says that speech about, you guys think you're good enough just to show up and win? You're not. It's like, I can imagine that speech being hap- happening to the Eagles, but they are very close to just showing up and winning. That's what they've done in the first three games of this season. They have, they've been far from their best game. They've been far from their best brand of football, but they show up, they grind it out of the trenches, and they win. That's pretty damn good. And when you talk about the trenches, Broads, that's the number one reason they've won these games is being able to get after the quarterback and being able to run the football. So on the other side of this, what do they need to do to finally get to that next gear? We know they can run. We know they can get after the passer as well. What do they need to do in order to get that pass game finally going consistently in this offense? It seems more miscommunication than anything. You saw the one play with Goddard. He goes to the inside, looked like Hurts wanted to go more towards the outside, and it went into no man's land. And then, who was it, DeAndre Swift in the passing game? It goes right into the bread basket there for an interception. I just think you got to iron out the kicks. You're working with Brian Johnson. He's going through a different part of his career. He's never done this at this level before. And, you know, keep in mind, you are playing very impressive defensive coordinators. Now, you're probably always going to, especially when you get to the postseason. But you're talking Bill Belichick on the road. You're talking Brian Flores. And now on the road again with an undefeated team in Tampa, a Todd Bowles. You know, I'm sure that there's an element with that, too. At the same time, though, if you want to reach the ultimate goal and win the Lombardi, there's probably going to be a sharp defensive mind on the other side. So you got to figure it out at some point. But it just seems like miscommunication stuff that I think over time they clean up naturally just by playing more. And uh, I thought yesterday was a step in the direction getting A.J. Brown involved. It, It seems like they're getting the ball in their playmakers' hands and then letting them going instead of forcing some deep shots. The one time they did to Devontae Smith, it gets picked off there for the for the one-yard line, even though it resulted in a safety, so it ends up working out. Um, yeah, I just I think it's just time, more time working together without Shane Steichen. Shane had a great feel, nonstop. It seemed every single week he put this team in a great position with flow. I don't know if Brian Johnson or him have that yet. Quite frankly, they don't. And maybe our expectations were too high because of their relationship. We were like, yeah, this is going to be great. And we forgot to realize that uh, this takes a little bit of time, you know? Broads, uh, let's run under the assumption that the Eagles next week, and it'll, of course, be game-dependent score and everything else. Uh, But let's say the Eagles run the ball as often as they did last night, this next week coming up against the Commanders. Last night in 40 runs, 40, 
the breakout was Jalen Hurts 10, which includes a couple of the tush pushes, and no one's got a problem with the tush push. Everybody likes the tush push because it always works and gives the Eagles either a first down or a touchdown. So Jalen's going to get his runs, tush pushes included. Kenny Gainwell, DeAndre Swift, 40 runs last week. How do you want to see those runs break out next week? Last night, it was Gainwell 16, uh, excuse me, uh, Swift 16, Gainwell 14, Hurts 10. Do you like the breakdown between those, or do you think that needs to be tinkered with going forward? Well, the fear is if you give Swift more carries, is he going to break down eventually and not be available, which I understand when you look at his track record in Detroit. But I think 14 for Gainwell is too much. I saw a couple drives where they were forced feet in the rock to Gainwell. And I go, what are we doing here? Even the fourth and two, I like the idea of actually going for it. They've shown the opposite through the first couple of weeks. It was, "Eh, you know, we're going to play. Well, they would have kicked a field goal there. But they like to play the field game and let's punt. It's third and 10. We'll throw a screen pass to Devontae. Third and nine, we'll run it. Like, what are we doing here? That's soft. I hate it. At least they took a step in the right direction to go for it. But are we utilizing Gainwell there? I don't know. It just didn't make sense to me. Love the idea, but not the uh, the thought process on the play call. I, I, I need to see Swift get more. There's something special about the way he's hitting these holes. Miles Sanders had very similar gaps, and I wasn't seeing him take off like this. He hits these holes differently, and it's massive. He needs to get way yeah. more of the carries. Let me add to your point because it's a good one, Honor. It's the same offensive line for Kenny Gainwell, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Kenny Gainwell went 14 for 43. DeAndre Swift goes 16 for 130. It's the same guys. Do they do they feel the need to open up the hole even bigger for DeAndre Swift? Is that what we're saying here? No, he's just a better back. By Swift's far. just a better back. By far. I, I don't need – and no, I, I said this on my show too. No disrespect to Sanders with full – full, uh, you know, understanding that I'm completely disrespecting him. This is insane what DeAndre Swift does. It's different. It is so different. He's like a real pure runner that uh, I'm excited to see work with this line. Cam Jurgens, by the way, center, eh, whatever, right guard, plowing through everybody. This is amazing. I'm feeling great today. Yeah, I said earlier, a lot of doctorates are being handed out at uh, Stoutland University, and Cam Jurgens is the latest one. Uh, dancing is the term we'd always hear with Miles Sanders. We heard it with LaShawn McCoy. DeAndre Swift just gets up there and he goes. And if he needs to wait for that downbeat, he hits it. We've talked about it a lot on the show. But I want to ask you this about uh, something else. And it's kind of a surprise this season. And especially with injuries to the core, what is the most surprising thing to you so far about this football team? Because me, I look at the linebackers and I am very pleasantly surprised by Zach Cunningham, Nicholas Morrow, the fact that they're so far down the depth chart uh, that these guys are actually coming in here and they're producing at a safety last night, Nicholas Morrow did. Yes, with, with help from the defensive tackles getting that big push, but I'm most surprised with the linebackers. Where are you at? Yeah, no, that's a good answer for sure. I'll lean a different way, but it makes sense. Sometimes you even lose sight that yesterday, Sean Desai is working with a lot of just, hey, here's a bunch of stuff, go make it work. And I guess it is easier for your secondary to to have success when the front of your defensive line is plowing people the way they are. But I'm going to go, I, I guess this is sort of a negative, which I don't know why my brain went here and I've been wow. so far, but it's just the, the turnovers for Hertz. I just didn't expect him to have this many turnovers because he's so smart with the football. And I don't expect that to, to carry over and be like this huge talking point for the whole year. But I don't know. You force the ball into double coverage. We've seen that happen a couple times. 
That's not part of his DNA. If anything, it's the complete opposite. So I expect it to clean up. I'm not super, super scared of it. But through the first couple of weeks with them being 3-0, and it really shows you how impressive they are for your quarterback to turn it over as much as they are and still be in this position to be undefeated. Go ahead, Barzi. Yeah, no, no, I was just going to say, did you hear the thing he said after the game last night about the first interception of the game? This, no, was, fa- I- this was fascinating. He gets asked about, hey, on the interceptions, what did you see? What happened? And Hertz takes a beat and he goes, yeah, I'm not going to be that guy. Um, uh, second one, I, I threw up and I, I thought I could make the throw and D-back made a great play. And they were like, and the first one? He goes, uh, yeah, the first one. Uh, and then I think it was Jeff McClain that asked the question, miscommunication? And Hertz is like, yeah, we'll go with that, miscommunication. Wow. So it made me, I mean, you might have, that's saying it without saying it, that yeah. DeAndre Swift you know, I don't know if he, he ran the wrong route, essentially. And by the way you saw the throw, they were obviously not on the same page. Nick Sirianni, when he addressed the media, said they weren't on the same page. That was a miscommunication. So miscommunication, I think, would be the way to say it. Uh, or DeAndre Swift didn't understand the route he was supposed to run. Yeah. I'm surprised he didn't just say we won the game. Next well, question. Yeah. He did say that he, a number of times. So the main thing, the main thing. Uh, <laughs> that's that's Jalen's new favorite quote. Um we talked about this earlier, Hunter. Need your input on it as well. Landed Dickerson through three games. I know everyone is seeing Jalen Carter, and he's looking like a all-world player through three games. It's only three games, but damn, he looks down on almost every single snap. We get less of an individual feel for it on the offensive line, but you talked about those holes that are gaping for Andre uh, DeAndre Swift to run through. Jim. Cam Cam Gurton, Cam Jerkins is a big part of that. Is he going to be the right tackle for like the next decade? He, he was drafted to be Kelsey's replacement. Uh, do you just move him because it's Stoutland University and you can move the pieces around wherever you want? W- w- Cam Jerkins will beat somebody up this week. And oh, by the way, the commanders, I think the Eagles will handle them this week. But if they've got anything going for them, it's their defensive line. So the offensive line actually does have to go to work this week. Uh, what, where is Cam Jurgens future headed as per you, bros? Well, I did watch the documentary. I think a lot of people did watch the documentary. I know one day is, is going to happen. And I think we are closer to it than we've ever been before. Although we say that every single year, I think eventually he does get slotted into that center position because I just don't know how much longer uh, uh, Jason Kelsey could do this. It's unbelievable. He's taking all those pills, and then when it's not the off season or the season anymore, he can't take the inflammatory pills anymore. I don't know how he does it. Five years ago, we should have hung him up. But I do think Cam Jurgens will eventually be taking those snaps. And I guess I wouldn't be shocked if I'm wrong because, well, Jason Kelsey could play another 15 years and we'd all be screaming our heads off at the link. But uh, I think that eventually, eventually you'll see Cam Jurgens taking those center snaps, I, I think. I, I think. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. I think oh, the, really? No. Yeah. yeah. I, well, the writing's on the wall with Tyler Steen. I think they drafted a guy to be a guard of the future. They drafted a guy to be a center of the future. And right now, they're just kind of waiting their turn. Uh, so I think the writing's on the wall as far as that goes. And then another draft cl- class comes out and they fall in love with somebody else. But as of right now, I think, yeah, Cam Jurgens is the guy uh, moving forward. Um, now, not to stay in the negative realm here because it is a 3-0 and team, but how many defensive backs, how many safeties, Broads, can this team go through in the first three weeks of the season? Because they are certainly making it interesting. Is there anyone that you see finally coming up here as the next man up and maybe grabbing the bull by the horns? 
don't know. Maybe it's Josh Job. Maybe with some more snaps and some more run at it. They did take advantage of – it was one play, but they did take advantage of Bradbury maybe being a little new in the slot, and they got oh, yeah. a nice angle there, which – created some nice ball movement for them and moved the chains. But maybe that's the answer. Maybe it's Josh Jobs. You know, they like Eli Ricks. Maybe there's something to this. And this was my philosophy when I saw them go out and snag all of these young guys, these young corners with great resumes in college, LSU, Alabama. You know that Howie Roseman will do everything in his power not to draft a cornerback high. So how can you get around that? Let's put a bunch of them in a cornerback room and someone has to pop off, right? And I think that's what he's betting on. And maybe the answer is a Josh Joe. And Sidney Brown, by the way, saves the touchdown on Mike nice Evans. Play. We know that kid's going to be able to play. So maybe they can sustain this because there's someone waiting in the in the cornerback room that can dominate whenever they need to. So it, the one thing I always say, I say this with the Phillies bullpen, I'll tie it together with the Eagles in a second, and even the starting rotation. Maybe in the postseason, it's unconventional. It's a way you didn't think it was. You thought it was Wheeler and Nola, but instead it's Wheeler and Christopher Sanchez, baby, right? <laughs> or Kirkering out of the pen. Who the hell would have thought that? Well, maybe by the end of this puppy, it's Eli Ricks that's a stud on the outside, but we would have never thought that a million years from now. I'm just spitball. Maybe it's Job. It's going to be someone in that room, though, and, and that's my answer to it. I think they can sustain it because, really, the beefy men up front. But let me take you in a different direction. Because we still got like 35 days. But I think the NFL trade deadline is until Halloween this year. They've just nice and easy and kind of under wraps pushed it back. I remember when the NFL trade deadline was after like week three. The <laughs> NFL trade deadline would be like today on the calendar. And they wondered why, oh, nobody makes trades in the NFL in season. Because, yeah, you, you need to make a decision whether you're a bad team, a good team, too quickly. So they've done a nice job and uh, have pushed it back to right where it should be. You know Howie Roseman wants to do something. Howie lives to do something. Howie likes to uh, roll the dice. I think that all the uh, spe speech you just gave, all the names they have, as many as it is uh, on the roster, I think he's going to trade for another cornerback. No. With Devontae Maddox being done for the year, either just completely commit to Bradford in the slot and get a better than Josh Job cornerback or go out and get a true slot corner if he's available and put Bradbury back where he belongs on the outside. If I told you uh, what I asked you, what position you think Howie will make a deal for at the trade deadline? What position is that, Broads? Defensive line. <laughs> you know they love it, baby. Defensive line. Let's get more. Um, when, no, when, in doubt, when in doubt, revert to the defensive line. You got, you no, got a good uh, argument there, this, brother. Before this game, I will say that when they were saying, oh, we have in-house options, I go, okay, yeah, I know how. Guess what? I'm sure the Jets have an in-house option at backup quarterback, too, right? How's Zach Wilson working out? <laughs> I didn't trust him. Well, uh, I got <laughs> something in my eye. I got something in my eye there. Let me get that out there. All right, thank you. Thank you, bros. Yeah. <laughs> but on I mean, that was with Maya thought, though. Uh, Bradbury stays on the outside, and then they try Goodrich in the slot, and maybe he's overwhelmed, and then they try and go get some sort of slot corner. But maybe they tried something different, and they liked it. I don't know, but maybe they do. Maybe they do go get somebody awesome, and they go throw him on the outside opposite of Slay, and it's phenomenal. 
and a huge upgrade. I, I don't know. I, maybe they do, but I think yesterday maybe gave them more confidence than I would have thought. I don't know. It looked better than I thought it would. Maybe Howie feels the same way. I'm not in Howie's mind now. It's a scary place to be, I think. <laughs> well, I, I did think see, it- real quick, I did see before I hopped on as I was waiting. You know how we always get burned by the video of Justin Jefferson and Jalen Rager and the, you know, the, the Vikings yeah. during the draft. I just saw the the Chicago Bears version of that for when the Eagles made the call to jump up and go get Carter. Whoa. <laughs> hey, how's Justin Fields doing? Oh, God. Hey. Yeah, Johnny, Johnny Mack likes to uh, note that the Eagle, the Bears had two chances to take him. They could have just taken him at number one and held on to the pick and not traded it. Would have been a good pick. And they're sitting there at number nine. Could have still gotten him at number nine. And they go, nah, Eagles, you want him? Go ahead. You give us a little draft capital to drop down one slide. Perfectly fine. Yeah, go ahead. Crazy. Not good, Chicago. That, that organization's a dumpster fire. Uh, Broads, I, I definitely put it as the favorite for the Eagles to get defensive line help at the trade deadline. That's the odds-on favorite. You're not getting good money there. Right after that is probably the secondary. It's a cornerback position. I, I know Buda Baker is, what, on IR right now? Yeah, I just love that name still being attached to the Eagles, even after he was placed on IR. I wouldn't be shocked, and this is what really surprised me last night. Now, maybe it was just down to their final options, but Sidney Brown being put in the nickel for a little bit before he got hurt, I thought that was fascinating. And it made me think, all right, maybe, maybe, maybe they decide to go after a safety position and they move Sidney Brown into their nickel corner uh, for the remainder of the season. But one thing, and I know the player you're talking about is spe- specifically with James Bradbury it was early in the second quarter. And I think it was Chris Godwin that beat him yeah. in the slot. And it was like, he might as well as not even be stand- been standing there. Cause he just got burned. Um, but yeah, that, that didn't put a good taste in my mouth for the rest of the game. And then the Eagles, of course, with their defensive line, more than anything, we were able to step up defensively. Yeah, for sure. And, and uh, normally when uh, McMullen's on here, we always find a way when I'm on to throw in Jim Schwartz's name. So I just want to do that randomly. It makes no sense. But speaking of things I saw before the show, there was another (laughs) thing on Twitter. Man, Jim Schwartz out in Cleveland. What a hell of a job. The guy just got burned here in this town. Let's get a little standing up for my guy, Jim Schwartz. I got to send that clip to Mick Mullen. Anyway, what else you guys got? He'll he'll appreciate that. Yeah, I saw the same thing. Like like third or fourth, like in the history of the National Football League, two, three games, least yards allowed. Ridiculous how good the Browns defense has been through three games. And that is Jim Schwartz. Yeah. Jim Schwartz. John Johnny loves Jim Schwartz. Um, and oh, by the way, yeah, there was one nice play that uh Godwin made. He only had three catches all game. And he's uh I think Ruben uh Frank in his uh points, uh Ruben's takes. Ruben's insights. I forget what they call it. Observations. Ten observations. I knew if I kept going through Wait, verbs, I'd Jody, get there sooner I'm not going to cut you off, but I will. I, I saw you tweet like 3 a.m. shift yesterday. Now you're popping the 8 a.m. show. And maybe that had something to do with it. Yeah, I can't come up with the word observation. But I do remember what Rube wrote. He had had at least five catches for 20 straight games or something like that. And the Eagles ended up uh, holding him to three last night. So if one was kind of Bradbury not close to covering him, overall, they shut down Godwin last night. So good job out of the Eagles. All right. Jalen Hurts, two picks last night. We talked about one, didn't talk about the, the other. He throws it up. The kid from Tampa makes a nice play, but comes down at the one-yard line. The Eagles get a safety the next play anyway. For me, that, like, wipes out the interception. If you score on the immediate play thereafter it's as good as a field goal so Jalen don't sweat that interception 
he hasn't been as good as he was last year when he was runner-up for the MVP. Something to do with him, something to do with the, the work that they need to get in with a new coordinator, the relationship with, between he and uh, the new offense coordinator who he's known since he's five years old. What do you think is the main reason? And I'm not saying he's playing bad. He's just not playing as well as he did last year, where he was almost the damn MVP. What's the main reason for it, bros? I think the main reason would be just the new offensive coordinator, him and Brian Johnson working together to get a feel on how to make this thing work. I'd say that's the main reason. But if you're looking at a pie chart, there's a lot of reasons to factor in, too. You know, look, the expectations are super high to being a robot. It's pretty hard to sustain. And I don't always like to look around the league and compare Jalen Hurts to other quarterbacks. But, you know, Pat Mahomes, outside of this Bears game where they just dominated in front of Taylor Swift. I don't know if you guys happen to see that Taylor Swift was in the game or at the game. You know what I mean? But uh, Taylor Swift? Uh, America has seen that Taylor Swift was in the game. And that's all inclusive. Everyone breathing in America right now has seen it. Absolutely. So outside of that, you know, it wasn't like Pat Mahomes to that offense was destroying the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I didn't catch too much of the game last night because I was unless I do the double box, yo, double box, get the hell off my TV. But Joe Burrow hasn't been lighting the lamp either. Maybe, yeah. So maybe there's just and they're great quarterbacks. My obviously Joe Burrow's fantastic. I would love for him to be my franchise QB, but there's got to be something to this new start of a season after the no training camp thing and, and all that. Now, you know, this is where I look at this team and say they're 3-0. You know what it takes the Miami Dolphins to be 3-0? Putting up 70 damn points. Like, that's what this league normally is to be 3-0. and So for you to do that while not playing your best ball, it's scary once you think about them, you know, getting their foot where it needs to be. But I, I think the main reason to answer your question is, OC, him, relationships, some new concepts, a feel-out process of calling a game for Brian Johnson. But there's a lot of elements here. You know, I think the expectations of him being a robot is a little unfair. It's like this guy needs to be perfect and pick up right automatically at the at the exact point he was last year. Teams, it's a copycat league, right? Teams will look at the Eagles last year and be like, that was an explosive offense. That's fantastic. They go to the tape all offseason and look at tendencies and look at all this, not just for, hey, they're on our schedule and we need to prepare for them, but just what can we incorporate into our game that Shane Steichen and Hurts did? Like, they're one of the best offense in the league. I think the league picks up on tendencies, and now it's your job to counter what they countered with, and that takes a little bit of time too, especially with an inexperienced OC in there. I, I absolutely agree. Now, I am a huge Jalen Hurts fan. I think Jalen Hurts is going to regain MVP form, be an MVP caliber quarterback, be a perennial MVP candidate. So now that I've said all that, the scariest thing for me, though, yeah, there's been some play calls, red zone calls. I haven't been a big fan of the personnel and the play call, for instance, to be more specific on the fourth and two, fourth and one, where they went for it with Kenny Gainwell. It just was mind-boggling to me in the first possession of the game. But Jalen Hurts, just trying to grade him and just look at him, the throw that he made, I think it was in Minnesota, where he, people are talking about him throwing into double coverage. Like, there was really nobody close to making a play. Like, it wasn't like he sailed it. He made a horrible decision and put the, the precious pigskin in peril, and it was picked off. And then last night, here's what I didn't like about the throw that he tried to make uh, down the field that, yes, eventually was turned around to be a safety for the Eagles. So, it was a first and 10. You're up 20 to 3 at that point. And he just decided to air it out late in the third quarter on a first and 10 play where it just wasn't necessary. You, you didn't, didn't need like to that? do it. 
I didn't like it. No, that particular I play, I didn't that. like it. Why I didn't, didn't like it go I for the like juggler? Go for the juggler. You got three minutes left in the third quarter. You can have you have control of the game. Oh, quick six, just completely end the game right there. Okay, yeah. end, end, you're not ending the game. You're not ending the game at that point. I, I'm with you, Farzi. I didn't like it either. And look, right. I give all the credit in the world. Defensive back, defensive back made a great play. I'm just judging exactly. that specific play. I wasn't a big fan of it. I didn't. I didn't like it. And look, and he also missed the throw. The other thing that happened was on that before they even tried to go for it in the fourth down. He, I think it was Zacchaeus. He underthrew Zacchaeus on a ball that if he just leads him a little bit, it's a touchdown. And it was almost an interception in the end zone. They almost didn't even have the opportunity to have that fourth down opportunity there or go for it on fourth down. Um, but overall, overall, last night's game, I saw sustained. I mean, to call them flashes, I guess, is not right, but not accurate. But it was the most sustained success I had seen from drive to drive from Jalen Hurts, where it was a really good drive, really good possession, a little shaky, really good drive, really good possession, a little shaky, maybe a bad decision. But overall, I thought it was the best performance we had seen from him so far this year. Yeah, for sure. And think about this, and I'm sure you guys mentioned before I hopped on here, nine minutes and 22-second drive yeah. after they make it a 14-point game, your quarterback's doing something with that. And I think they need to find another layer to the Dallas Goddard portion of this offense, but – I hate the little screen pass or the pass in the flat for him. It just hasn't really worked out. But he did find Dallas Goddard open when Todd Bowles is bringing some guys and you can see them swarming Hurts and it's out quick. Goddard or A.J. Brown getting the ball in the playmaker's hands. Nine minutes and 22 seconds. Your quarterback's doing something right where you don't even allow the other team to get a chance after they make it a 14-score game and feel some sort of good about themselves. And keep in mind, it took a Mike Evans one-handed catch where he's riding Reed Blankenship's back for that to even happen. But I don't know. I mean, I feel like sometimes when we start nitpicking, you'll always find throws in an NFL game, no matter who the quarterback is, that, oh, he missed this guy, he missed that guy. And to the, to the other side of that, you'll find good throws too. You know what I mean? Like you can also nitpick the great throws and point them out. But I thought A.J. Brown dropped a touchdown in the back of the end zone there. They didn't show the replay. And even the one where it was a little bit of a high throw, but A.J. Brown still had two hands two on hands. that football. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then the I think it was week one, they challenged the play. It bobbled in A.J. Brown's hands there as he was going out of bounds. There's some really good completions that – aren't on the stat sheet a couple AJ Brown touchdowns when Penny gets the flag and then the no defensive pass interference call in week two so there's a lot that I think are great for this offense that will be staples really getting AJ Brown the football for touchdowns that's gonna pan out that maybe hasn't worked out for them in the early stages that will turn it around so you know I'd say is this fair so far for Jalen Hurts He's been C plus through three weeks. Is C plus a fair, fair grade, or where do you guys stand on that? Yeah, that's, that's right around where I would lock yeah. him in. C plus. Yeah, I yeah I put him around there. If I didn't see last year be so great, maybe it'd be a little higher. Right. But he's, yeah, he he set the bar himself. The ceiling has been raised, high, so yeah. that's my grade nine a curve. I like your C plus there. All right, Thanks. and oh by the way, Dallas Goddard, major thumbs up. Six, eight yards per catch. Last week, six catches for 22 yards. So his yards per catch going up precipitously. So we'll, we'll have faith that it'll continue to go up with Dallas Goddard. All right, Broads, last thing. Go positive or negative, wherever you feel you must. The thing that concerns you most about the Washington Commanders coming to town this week to take on the Philadelphia Eagles is what? 
nothing. Uh, Thanks for having me, guys. It was a blast. Project. Get the hell out. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Well, this, this is the best offensive and defensive line my eyes have ever seen. By the way, I haven't even heard Reddick's name, and I'm not bashing him. I'm just saying, wait for that. It took him a couple weeks last year to get going. He also had the thumb thing, so maybe that's playing a role. But you just wait. Because right? we got the beefy guys up front doing it from the interior. There's not even enough time for these edge rushers to make it home. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm being honest with you, all jokes aside, nothing. Nothing. Do you see good. their quarterback? Nothing. Yeah. Give me four. Reed Blankenship's going to get another one. All right? He's going to do a little dance in the end zone for another pick. <laughs> Let me, before you go, I just have to commend you. Uh, you used a hockey term in football. Joe Burrow isn't lighting the lamp. So, oh, did I do that? It, it, yeah. And, it, but in that same vein, Jody, if I, I just want to say, uh, hopefully uh, Jalen Hurts starts uh, – uh, uh, slapping the biscuit. That's there all I'm go. saying. I just yeah. hope he slaps the biscuit. That's all where I'm mama saying. Hi- where mama put, hides the cookies. <laughs> put, the biscuit, put the biscuit in the basket. There you go. With yeah. the touch pass over the top. There you right. go. Do some over research. The, over do the some top. research, Hunter. Find out if Josh Harris was at the Devils 6 nothing win over the Flyers last night. Get on that. Start what to work dis- on that. What a disgrace of a preseason opener, boys. Just pissed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Chicken little, the sky is falling. I like the fact that Hunter Brody said nothing, nothing scares me about the Washington Commanders. Broad's always a pleasure. Thanks for jumping in, brother. Thanks, fellas. See about that. Is Hunter Brody from Broad's Media joining us here on Birds Three Sixty Five? All right, uh, I'll come back. I'll ask the same damn question to Farzetta. You heard me ask it to Hunter. I'm going to ask it to Farzetta next here on Birds Three Sixty Five. If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. 
And if you join our Winter Watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, Birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Mark Frizette in for Johnny Mac today on Birds 365. Mac man coming back from uh, Tampa. He will be back here tomorrow on Birds 365. All right, Farzee, I'm going to allow you to answer the same exact question I asked Hunter Brody. What, if anything, scares you or makes you nervous about the Washington Commanders at Lincoln Financial Field Sunday at 1? Really digging deep here okay because i'm not i'm not afraid um nothing really scares me about that team but really digging deep the first thing has nothing to do with them it has everything to do with the eagles the eagles with this idea and you even said it was the first thing you said when we talked about this earlier in the show was this idea of the eagles with a statement game a prove it game and maybe trying too hard to avenge last year's fluke of a loss to the commanders. Oh, revenge game. This yeah, is a revenge game. It's an yeah. absolute revenge game. I, I a thousand billion percent agree with you, my friend. Um, so maybe in the pursuit of that, they don't keep their eye on the prize and they try to overdo it a little bit and they end up making okay. mistakes. Other than that, Montez Sweat, Chase Young, pretty good at football. Uh, both can get on the outside. Both can get in the backfield. Um they brought they, they got off to Russell Wilson rather well in their matchup there. Uh, it's a it's a troublesome thing. Uh, so I look at their defense above anything else. But offensively speaking, I am I am I'm not concerned. I'm really not concerned. If I really had to dig deep and reach for two things, those are the two things that I would be reaching for that scare me about that game. But in all honesty, I think the Eagles do have that revenge game, and I think the Eagles do have that statement game, and uh, I think they're going to bask in the idea of an actual one o'clock kickoff, and they're going to take it to the the commanders and uh, have another, a real wire to wire statement game against the Commanders. I actually like your line of thinking. Uh, got to reach to do it. Overreaching for revenge. I like that. Don't think it's going to happen, but I like that. At least that <laughs> I'm creative, right? I'm creative. Process of it. And uh, yeah, Jonathan Allen on that defensive line is very good too. He'll make Jason Kelsey work. I, that being said, the Eagles won their first game by five points. They won their second game by six points. They won their next game by 14 points. So they're just trending up. Are you going north of 14? Are you want to go all the way to 21? Yeah. How how far are you going to move that uh, pendulum to the Eagles versus this guy? I'm not going to hold you to a score, but give oh, me yeah. generally how easily they win this game. Granted, the totally legitimate concerns I just rolled out for you, Jody. Uh, I'm going to go 38 to 10. The Eagles win this game. Yeah, yeah. let's get messy. Jump from two touchdowns all the way to four touchdowns. Yeah, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. You know what I'm saying? I like it. That's why we like having you on, because you do get nuts every (laughs) once in a while. I appreciate it, Mark. Thank you much. Uh, Uh, You know, we'll be tapping into you when Johnny Mac is 
doing the traveling thing. Thanks for jumping in with us today. Tonight, fighting's post game here on Jacob oh, Media. Oh, sure. yeah. Let me got, promo that for you. Got the uh, Phillies mean, wrapping up a little playoff yeah. berth. Got the Phillies wrapping up. Hopefully, home field advantage uh, the first uh, wild card round by tomorrow. So that'd be nice. But yeah, fighting's post game tonight after fighting's take on the uh, Pirates tonight. All right, we're gonna run over, but screw it because you are Mr. Phillies post game show. Um. <laughs> Is there a level of celebration that the Phillies could do tonight that would be over the top? Yes. They're, they're making the wild card. They were expected to make the wild yeah. card. I almost feel like they don't need or should celebrate at all. The only reason why I think it's okay is that's this team. They do the whole dump in the water thing, just the cups rather yeah. than the and for the kid the other day, they got the, the full-fledged one out there. They ah. buried Bohm the other day and did a major dunking of him. Um, so I get it. They do that. That's this group. Yeah. So you got to let them be themselves. But could they go overboard on celebration tight when they're just making the wild card? I'm so glad you asked me this question because I, I don't like it. I don't like it in baseball when so many teams celebrate either just making it. I understand if it's a long time, you finally made the plays, made the plays great. Last year's great. This year, like that's not the bar right now. The bar, like at the very least, celebrate after home field advantage. And I hope that no, I talk home field advantage the first round of the wild card. That's all I mean. Celebrate that. That that let, let the champagne pop. Let have the party and do that. But don't celebrate after you've just clinched a postseason berth. Exactly. That's the one question. I that's the one ask I have. Don't do that, please. It's exactly what I said on WIP over the weekend. Um just making the wild card, that's what was what was what I, if if this was the Phillies that had made the playoffs yeah. for a decade, mm -hmm. like last year. Okay, yeah, they had to worry of a celebrate. You made the wild card, you made the World Series World's, last year. Exactly. Wow, we're back in the wild card. Anyway, I'll be watching you tonight to hear about it. Thank, Thank you, brother. That I appreciate your jumping in for John oh. McMullen today. Uh McMullen will be back. It'll be Mac and Mac right here on Birds 365 tomorrow in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.